So we're kicking off a new series about the Holy Spirit. And what people sometimes ask me, what kind of church are you? And one of the things I say to people is we're a church that believes the Holy Spirit is alive and well and working today in us and through us into the world around us. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to take a look at how the Holy Spirit works in us and through us, who the Holy Spirit is. And if you want a little summary of how to describe the Holy Spirit, this is my favorite definition that I've come across. Um, it's God's empowering presence. So God's empowering presence is actually the title of a book by a theologian called Gordon Fee, which is a massive tome all about Paul and his theology of the Holy Spirit. But this, I think, is a great way of thinking about the Holy Spirit. He is God's empowering presence with us. Now, we often have difficulty when it comes to thinking about the Holy Spirit because being spirit, it's difficult to picture him in our minds. And people try all sorts of different ways. So if you've been watching the, if for some reason you watched uh, Pope Benedict's funeral this week, you might have seen inside the Vatican, the throne of St. Peter. And above the throne of St. Peter is this beautiful stained glass window by Bernini. And that is his depiction of the Holy Spirit as a dove. And we know from scripture there's lots of other images that are used to try and describe the Holy Spirit. Fire, wind, oil, the dove. The problem is all of those make it very difficult for us to kind of grasp who he is. To make things worse, early translations of the Bible into English use this phrase, the Holy Ghost. Now, personally, I think that's a deeply unhelpful way of thinking of the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately, ghosts are A, scary, B, possibly real, not real. I leave it to your own personal theology of ghosts. But the reality remains that this is such an impersonal, kind of ethereal, mysterious, slightly scary way of thinking of him. The other thing that sometimes happens is the Holy Spirit gets reduced to being a source of power. It's like he's a battery that ultimately all he exists to do is give us energy, to give us power. It's for us. We need the power. Or sometimes people go even further and literally make him sound like the force in Star Wars. That ultimately we can do some really cool, weird stuff because the Holy Spirit is with us, a bit like the force. Now, all of those things make him deeply impersonal, kind of ethereal, just kind of less real in some way. Or you can go the other way. You can go in completely the opposite direction and try and make him as real as possible. So a good example of that would be the shack. Now, some of you will have read the shack, found it deeply helpful. Boo you. Um, <clears throat> some people have found it really helpful. The issue with the shack, in some ways, is by creating... Now, I know some of you are looking at this thinking, Trinity... There are four people on the screen. So the guy in the middle in the yellow jacket, he is the protagonist in the novel. He's the character that's experienced a terrible loss and is wrestling with God. And then the other three are representations of the Holy Spirit. Now, on the left, we have Jesus. We have the main character in the story, Sam. And then we have Octavia Spencer playing God, which is a complete ripoff from The Matrix, making cookies and all of that. Um, and on the end is the Holy Spirit. The issue with this, right, who's ready for some theology? The issue with this is effectively, if you create three separate images that are so distinct from each other and working independently of each other, that is tritheism, okay? That is effectively creating three gods. We, as Christians, 
believe in monotheism. We believe there is one God that is experienced in three ways. In fact, to go even further than that, there is one God who demands that we understand him in three different ways. But here's the thing you have to remember, is each part of that Godhead is involved in everything the other ones do, okay? None of them act independently of each other. This is called the doctrine of inseparable operations and is a really important doctrinal point that whenever one part of the Trinity is at work, the other parts are at work too. So don't go driving a snowplow through the middle of the Trinity by making them all different characters doing different things. That misunderstands the nature of the Trinity. So, having said that, that leaves us slightly worried about saying anything. (laughs) Generally speaking, preachers trend not to talk about the Trinity for fear of committing hideous heresy by mistake, because it's easy to do. (laughs) So what people tend to do is avoid talking about the Trinity at all, avoid talking about the Holy Spirit at all, because they're fearful they'll get it wrong, and it'll lead to misunderstandings. So what we're going to be doing over the next little while is we're going to look in particular at the work of the Spirit and how God is at work in the Spirit, glorifying the Son in creation through all sorts of different things in different ways. But the first thing to say, as I mentioned at the beginning, when we think about the Holy Spirit as energy or power or a force, we lose sight of the fact that the Holy Spirit is someone, not something. The Holy Spirit demands to be understood in Scripture as he, not it. We see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit thinks, speaks, grieves, leads. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a he. He will testify. I will send him. So there's clear in the in Scripture that we need to understand, firstly, the Holy Spirit is a person. There is a person to the Holy Spirit, someone we can get to know, someone we can talk to, someone who is active and working in us and through us. It's not an impersonal force. So what we're going to do today is we're going to have a little look at how the Holy Spirit appears throughout all of Scripture. Because in many ways, the Holy Spirit is often seen as the silent partner in the Trinity. So when you read the Old Testament, it's easy to see God the Father at work. When you read the Old Testament, sometimes mysterious figures appear, and sometimes you might think, okay, maybe that was Jesus. But the Spirit at times gets forgotten, and ultimately is treated a bit like a silent partner. We can do the same today in the 21st century. I know it's very easy sometimes to make the Trinity the Father, the Son, and Holy Scripture, and just boot the Spirit into touch. But what we're going to do today is see that the Spirit is alive and active throughout the Old Testament and into our present day. So, where should we start? Well, let's go right back to the beginning, to Genesis. And what do we see right at the beginning of Genesis? Now, the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There's an issue here, depending which version of the Bible you use, because different people translate that word spirit in different ways, because it's a Hebrew word, ruach, which can be understood in lots of different ways. But by far the best way to understand this beginning of Genesis is this concept of God's spirit hovering or brooding, one translation calls it, over the waters. Now, you might be thinking, Dave, I've spotted a problem. This is before creation. Where did the waters come from? You're reading Genesis in the wrong way if you're thinking like that. 
Waters, deep waters, rough waters represent chaos, a lack of order, nothingness, the void, hopelessness. So whenever in the Bible you read deep waters, you need to be thinking, is this actually a picture of chaos? So Jesus calming the storm is a massive theological point about God bringing order in chaos. So what we have here is the pre-creation chaos. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit is actively involved as God brings order out of that chaos, as he brings fresh things, new beginnings out of the mayhem. And the good news for us is that same spirit is still doing that today. That you might be sitting here today thinking, my life is out of control. You might be thinking, I'm stuck. You might be thinking, things are happening in my life and I cannot see them change. Well, the good news today is that same spirit that brought order out of chaos, that was able to birth something totally new in the midst of the darkness, is able to do that today. So you might be here this morning looking at 2023, fearful for what the future holds. I want you to hear that God's spirit is with us today and he can bring order out of the chaos. He can bring new purposes out of the chaos. He can bring his will out of the chaos. So do not be those who lose hope. So as we move on throughout the Old Testament, we can summarize some of the ways God interacts with people with this word charism. Charism is basically a gracious gift. So what we see time and time again in the rest of the Old Testament is God filling an individual at a particular point in time for a particular task in accordance with his purposes. Usually so they can do something pretty impossible. And so as you read through the the Old Testament, you'll see time and time again, the spirit of the Lord or the spirit of wisdom came to rest upon him and he was able to do whatever it was. So one of the key ways that God comes upon people in the Old Testament is with wisdom. Now, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. Moses prays for him to be filled with the spirit of God so that he would have the wisdom he needs to lead the people. That same spirit is at work today to give us wisdom. Do you need wisdom at the start of 2023? Recently, I was going along to a really important meeting. And I was praying about the meeting because some big decisions were going to be made. And I was asking God for wisdom. And do you know what God said to me? Very clearly through his words and in that moment he said to me, Dave, you need to shut up. Wasn't what I was hoping for, but he was very clear. So I went into that meeting and I took his instruction. I kept my mouth shut. Now admittedly at the end of the meeting someone came up to me to see if I was all right. (laughs) Because I'm not famous for holding back in meetings. But there was something about the fact that I did what God gave me to do in that meeting, and I had such a sense of peace in doing it, and such a sense of peace afterwards. Because I don't know about you, have you ever been in a meeting where you feel like you spoke too much, that you got a little bit too agitated, too hasty? Graham's nodding. Um, That you felt you said some things you wish you hadn't. So certainly in that moment, God saying to me, you know, be quiet, Dave was really important and really helpful and actually helped mend a couple of relationships with some of the people I was meeting with on a regular basis. Not the kind of wisdom I was looking for, but ultimately the right kind of wisdom. And I guess that's the problem, isn't it? When we ask God for wisdom and he gives us what he thinks the right thing to do is, and we are very tempted to then go, thank you, but no thank you, God, because I want to do this. Sometimes God's wisdom seems counterintuitive. Sometimes God's wisdom seems perhaps too difficult sometimes. 
But that's when we need the second thing. Because the other thing we see in Scripture is God giving people strength for the battle. Now, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and you know the story. He was able to do some incredible feats of strength. Now, the thing I would argue is, as we come into 2023, we may not need strength to basically kill thousands of people with the jawbone of an axe. No, we don't want to do that. But we might need strength. We might need courage. I don't know how prepared you feel for 2023. But basically, I guarantee something will happen you're not expecting. That you can think you've got the full armor on, you're ready, you're braced. Come on, I'm ready for this. And lo and behold, you get blindsided by something out of nowhere. Happens every year, doesn't it? And so the reality is, when we come into 2023, we need strength for the battle. We need God's help. We need his courage. It may be that God is asking you to do something. Over the, over the holidays, you've been thinking and praying, and you've felt a nudge from God to do something, and you're scared about it. You don't want to do it. But you need to pray to God to give you that strength and courage to see it through. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a moment where I've just wanted to run away. Where I've been sitting there, I know I'm going to get up and have to do something, and I'm absolutely terrified. Speaking at the carols by candlelight down at Woodlands in front of 700 people, I'm sitting there thinking, can I just leave? Could I just, you know, run and no one would notice? I'm sure Dave would get up and make something up and it would be fine. But no, I actually sat there praying God give me the courage to do this. So you might not believe this. I get a lot of stage fright sometimes when I'm doing new things. And I have to literally pray to God for courage to get up there, pick up that microphone and do the thing he's asked me to do. It takes courage sometimes. So I don't know what it is God's saying to you for this coming year. It might be a big thing. It might be a small thing. It might be as a result of some of the wisdom he's given you. Let's pray for courage. Let's know that God's spirit is with us to give us strength and courage for the battle. The other way the Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament was with the gift of prophecy. Obviously, Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi, is the obvious choice for an Old Testament prophet. Um, (laughs) But he says, but as for me, I am filled with power and the spirit of Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and Israelis. And that's Micah speaking. So we see in, in the Old Testament God's spirit coming upon people so they can prophesy. Now, I'm not going to say much more about this because we're going to do one of our Sunday morning talks. Um, The very wonderful Timothy Dobson will be with us. Um, I'm going to look at how the church equips the church in the 21st century, and prophecy is one of the things he's going to explore. So in summary, in the Old Testament, what we see is the Holy Spirit giving to particular people at a particular time wisdom, strength, prophecy, in order to achieve God's purposes for his people. And the truth is today, this Sunday, at the beginning of January 2023, the same is true today, that God wants to give you his spirit, he wants to give you his wisdom, he wants to give you words of knowledge or revelation, he wants to give you strength, because he has called you in your situation, your life, your house, your street, your workplace, your school, to fulfill his purposes, to be part of the kingdom of God in that place. And he's not asking you to do anything that he's not going to equip you for. That's the thing. He will give you his spirit so you're able to do what he's calling you to do. So if you like, that's something of God's empowering his people. But the other thing is, in the Old Testament, whenever you read about God's presence, you need to understand that's the Spirit of God with his people. Isaiah, summarizing the whole journey of the Old Testament, basically says, it is he who set his Holy Spirit among them. There's something about God's presence with his people 
was God's spirit with them. So when we read about the tabernacle and God's presence in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, that's the spirit of God with Israel. When we read about the temple and the spirit of God in the Holy of Holies, that's the spirit of God at work with his people. And that was how they experienced God's presence with them in those special places. Um, just by way of, I, I just so obviously when you're doing talks like this, sometimes you look for pictures. And occasionally you're surprised by what you find. So I was looking for a picture of the temple. This has got nothing to do with anything. I just, this, just, anyway. And I found this. Would you believe a church in Sao Paulo, Brazil, have decided to build themselves a new building? And they have built an exact replica of Solomon's temple, except 40 times larger. So, if you look at the little red carpet, those little dots, those white dots, are people. So you can see the scale of the thing. And that's their church building. A little bit different to the Greenway Center. (laughs) But in those days, God's presence for the people of Israel was experienced by visiting those places. If they wanted to be near the presence of God, they would go to the tabernacle. The thing was, they weren't allowed too close. They could enter the outer courts, but only the priests could enter the the holy place, and then only the high priest could enter the most holy place. So God's presence wasn't directly with the people. It was always guarded, always mediated, that ultimately people could not get quite into that presence. But we see in the Old Testament the tragedy of Israel's journey and the moment when they are exiled from the temple and they say the Lord has rejected his altar and has abandoned his sanctuary. There's something about the fact as they were exiled, God's presence left them. They felt they were without God. As they lived in exile in Babylon, as they waited for the coming of the Messiah, they felt God had left them. He had departed that they were alone. But the prophets begin to speak into this and begin to say it will not always be like this. That God has not left us and actually God is going to come to us in a really special way. In Ezekiel it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So the prophets are actually prophesying something bonkers. Because in the ancient Near East, gods were remote. They were at the top of mountains. They were near the heavens. You could get close, but you couldn't get too close. You built ziggurats, big triangular buildings in the hope that somehow you are closer to the heavens and you are reaching ever closer to the presence of your God. Gods were distant and remote. And here we have the prophet saying, I will put my spirit in you. God's presence will no longer be distant. God's presence will no longer be limited to a holy place. God is going to put his presence in his people. That you will be able to experience his presence with you always. And nothing can take that away. It's an incredible promise. But again, that promise was for everyone. Not just the priests, the kings, the rulers, the wealthy. It was for everyone. God is promising his spirit for each and every person here today, without exception. And at Pentecost, we see it happen. God pours out his spirit on that early church. And they experience God's power and presence with them. Jesus had warned them, do not leave Jerusalem until I have clothed you with power from on high. 
you are going to do something really important, but I don't want you to do it without me. You need my presence to make it possible for you to do it. And what happens as a result of God's presence being poured out on them? We see the transforming and equipping of Peter and Paul. Peter, a fisherman who had denied Jesus, transformed into the most powerful preacher his people had ever seen. 3,000 people are saved in one sermon. Something for me to aspire to. But there's this idea that ultimately the Spirit came upon them, not just so that they could remain in that holy huddle in that upper room, experiencing God's presence, enjoying his presence. He was equipping them to fulfill his purposes in the world. And he transformed Peter and equipped him and he went out and he preached incredible messages of salvation to people. Paul, killing Christians, has an encounter with Jesus, is transformed, filled with the Spirit, and is doing incredible miracles. All because God did it in him first. And so for all of us, the promise of Pentecost is that God wants to transform and equip us to be part in taking his kingdom to the world around us. And it's for each and every one of us. Sometimes it's easy to think, actually, it's for the church. It's for us together. And yes, there is something about, in Scripture, it talks about the fact we are being built together into a house and God's Spirit comes to dwell in us together. And there is something, I think, about when we are together, we experience God's presence kind of almost more fully because there's something about his people coming together, representing him more fully in all our diversity. So I think in the room now, the diversity of all of us more faithfully represents God to the world. And we experience his presence more fully when we're together. But that's not to say we have to be together to experience his presence. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Do you know that this morning? gray day at the beginning of January 2023, do you know that God's empowering presence is in you today? The creator of the universe, that same spirit that was brooding over the deep and brought creation into the chaos, is in you. What do you think is possible if each of us fully understood that same spirit at work in us? What do you think might happen to our workplaces and communities, our homes, our streets, our neighborhoods, if we fully grasped what it means to have the spirit that created the universe at work in us? What might be possible for your friends and neighbors if that same spirit could work through you into their lives? So I think as we go into 2023, we go in with confidence, not fearful, we go in with confidence. Why? Not because of who we are or what we've done, but because God's empowering presence is with each one of us every second of every minute of every day of every week throughout 2023. And nothing can take that away from you. I want you to hear this this year. In 2023, you are not alone and you are not weak and helpless. God is with you. And God will give you power for whatever he calls you to do. Let's pray. Let's stand. I'm going to pray for us. And what I want you to do is maybe have a think. I'll give you a couple of seconds to think. Facing this year, what is it you need to know? Is it just that God is with you? But could you actually, maybe you've got something coming up and you would really appreciate some more wisdom. You'd appreciate some strength for the battle. 
Maybe you long for a bit more of God's revelation in your life. Whatever it is, I'm going to give you a moment of silence to offer up your own prayer to God, that he would fill you with his spirit and give you that, and then I'm going to pray for all of us. So let's just take a moment.